Good evening, everyone. I'll give you attention up here for a second. Um, I want to welcome you to our very first launch conference. Uh, really excited for this weekend. Uh, this is something that uh, we've been wanting to do uh, just as a way of us really investing in you guys who are serving in lots of different ways uh, around our church. Uh, so we're going to enjoy some food together in a moment. Uh, and then we'll spend a bit of time together um, looking at the Word tonight as well as yeah, doing a little bit of work on uh, what it means to be a leader and how, uh, how we individually uh, shape uh, how we lead others. Um, but hey, just a word for our food. We did have a bit of a rice cooker fail tonight. So uh, that means we're going to just need to ration our rice a little bit. So we bought, <laughs> bought a sack of rice from the restaurant uh, down the road. Um, so the guys will help serve that up. So it's just, anyway, I'll, I'll just mention that as something to be aware of. Um, the guys, we're looking like we're pretty good to serve, right? Yeah, great. Well, why not give thanks to the food and then we'll eat it up, hey? Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your gracious provision for us. Uh, most of all, your son who came to die for us. Uh, but Father, we also give you thanks for the provision of food and fellowship that we can enjoy tonight. Uh, we give you thanks for, uh, yeah, even for the restaurants around that uh, can cook and provide for us, that we can enjoy these meals, enjoy the conversation we have together. And so we give you thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, feel free to filter down, get started.
are going to get started in a moment. So if you don't have one of these booklets already, you can grab one from down the back. Um, highly recommend grabbing a Bible too if you don't have your own here. Uh, there's a pile of the, the church's one down the back there. Grab one of those as well. For tonight, you can sit with whoever you want. Uh, tomorrow, we'll, we will organize a little bit more into um, tables with people in similar kind of ministries. That'll be helpful for tomorrow's stuff. Uh, but for tonight, uh, I don't mind who you sit with. Make sure you've got a good mix of people, though. Um, if you know everyone really well on your table, uh, consider kind of jumping up and, and shifting tables. Just a chance to kind of mix a few different people. Um, yeah, families with kids, you okay? Yep, give Sean some company. get your attention up here guys um, again I'll just give you uh, my warm welcome to uh, launch uh, as I think as I mentioned before this is our first launch first time we've done this and it is part of a bigger picture of us here at CPE wanting to invest more in growing those who are serving here already especially those who are leading groups who are leading teams uh, you know as a church we've been growing we've been wrestling with kind of that, that problem of a growing church and uh, you know, we'll talk more about what it's going to look like on the ground, you know, two congregations, all this sort of really exciting stuff. But a big part of that is actually growing the people who are involved with the church. 
You know, I think we've this year already been averaging like 220-ish people over the last few Sundays, which is, I mean, it's feeling full on a Sunday, isn't it? And I don't think you guys are feeling like that already. Um, so it's a really exciting time to be part of the, uh, of, of the life of our church. Um, and so a big part of what we want to do is to keep investing well into you guys, because actually you guys are the heart of the church. You guys are the ones who are out there serving, you're leading, you're growing, you're loving other people, uh, you're... you're uh, making a lot of our ministries work, whether it's um, music teams or host teams, whether you're serving on a Friday night, you, wherever it is, uh, we are really thankful for you guys, and we want to invest well uh, so that we give you guys the kind of training uh, that you need so that you can continue serving God well uh, in the roles that you have. So um, this is Launch Conference. You've got a little timetable there uh, on the front uh, inside cover there, so if you want to kind of have a, a bit of a clue of, of where we're headed, uh, that's all there. Um, and so this, the, the, one of the themes for this whole weekend is going to be um, looking through to Timothy, and particularly this thing of being entrusted with the gospel, okay, entrusted with the gospel. Now, being entrusted with the gospel is more than just preaching the gospel, you know, accurately and that we're, you know, sticking to the truths out there, but it is as much about how we look after the gospel, care for it, and how we pass it on to the next generations, you know, we've been seeing that all the way through Acts uh, when we did it uh, in fourth term last year. Uh, we're going to be seeing it some more in, um, in 2 Timothy because it's all about uh, an aging Paul, the apostle, uh, starting to really hand things over. And he's really handing over the charge to his young protege, Timothy, to kind of take over the ministry now. What's it going to look like for Timothy now? In fact, uh, tomorrow we're going to see how much he's, he, he's actually saying, well, one of the charges to you, Timothy, is that I'm going to charge you with the gospel and entrusting you to go and raise up other people who can then go and teach and grow the gospel. And so you're kind of seeing this uh, generational effect all the way through. And so what we're going to do, we're actually going to start by spending time, some time in uh, 1 Timothy, um, and we'll do that in a second. Uh, but is there any questions quickly about the, about the weekend, about the conference at all? Everyone feeling pretty clear and comfortable? Yep. Uh, thanks to Dennis for organising our food tonight. Let's give him a hand. So I dear brother. Our dear brother works very hard to, to look after us here and we appreciate it. Thanks to Charlie. Thanks to Charlie. And thanks to Willis as well who helped to salvage our, uh, our rice gate situation. All right, why don't I pray and then we'll, get, we'll have a look at the Word. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we do thank you for the chance to come and reflect on your Word together and to reflect on what it means to continue serving you, to be ministers of the Gospel and to be leaders uh, within your church. Father, we do pray that you will open our eyes and our hearts uh, to what it has to say to us, uh, that you might uh, grow us and help us to know you more and have a deeper and, and growing passion for the Gospel that we might be uh, yeah, conscious to keep passing that on to the next generation. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, hey, look, quick exercise to start it off. Uh, we go around the table and just share about one person who was really significant in your own walk as a Christian. Okay? Share about one person that was significant in your walk as a Christian. Maybe, you know, just have like a minute each max and just fly around. Tell, tell us a little bit about that person, what it is that they did for you, what it is that they, that they passed on to you. Okay? Can you go do that now?
give you a minute to finish up if you haven't gotten around. Kind of hurry up. just going to wrap you up there. I mean, how good is it just to share little snippets of our story? And, you know, you, we, could, we could sit here all night and have a really encouraging night uh, just going around and sharing some of our stories, couldn't we? Well, hey, we're going to be looking at uh, 2 Timothy. So I just realised there's a typo right at the start of, uh, of the outline there. Um, but what we're going to do is I'm not going to give you a little talk um, on that. Uh, I will say a few things afterwards, but what I thought we'd do, given that we are um, a bunch of people who are leading in different ministries around church, you guys are more than capable of working through some of this passage yourselves and discovering a few things together. So what we're going to do, we're going to read a little passage from 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, now, the, the second passage there is Acts 16. I reckon that's actually worth reading alongside with, uh, with your first reading. Uh, so maybe just bunch them together. It'll give you a little bit more background to Paul and Timothy. Uh, and then answer a few of those questions, and then I would say in about uh, 15 minutes or so, uh, we'll come back together, okay? Everyone good with that? Yes, Ling? So it's 2 Timothy, yes. Yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 to 13.
slides. I'll just give you another minute or two. Don't worry if you don't get through the whole passage. That's okay. Guys, I'm just going to wrap up your discussions there. You probably didn't get through the whole passage, and, and that's okay because we're going to keep coming back to 2 Timothy throughout this weekend. Uh, but we had a couple of good questions on the table that I was at, which I think might be interesting and be interesting to, to hear some thoughts from others. Um, why did Timothy get circumcised? Why, why did he get circumcised? He's, he's a grown man at this point, isn't he? 
anyone have any thoughts? Any tables discuss this? Is it just for fun? I doubt it. To avoid conflict with who? Yeah, so it's interesting, isn't it? Because in the story, as Acts goes on, Paul wants to take Timothy to go and start, you know, going to the synagogues and that sort of thing. Uh, if he wasn't circumcised, he, he actually wouldn't even be allowed in. Um, and so as a way of removing one of the barriers to the gospel, he goes, he gets the sniff. So guys, what are you, what are you willing to give up for the gospel, eh? What are, you, what are you willing to give up for the gospel? No? It's too, too much for CP. It's too much for CP. It's too traumatic. All right, um, all right, just quiet down a bit, guys. All right, what did we? What does it mean to fan into flame the gift of God? Wasn't that an interesting phrase and a really interesting question? Hey, uh, I'm going to go right down this table. What did you guys think? Friends, like not me. garden blower just <laughs> yeah <laughs> no seriously anyone work it out Carlos no I really want to aim this Yep, so sort of fanning the passion in a way, is it, or something? What do you yep, fanning flames of faith. Matt, <laughs> you look like you're going to say something. <laughs>
great. That's very helpful, isn't it? Did anyone think that it was the Holy Spirit? Did you go that far? Yeah, Link. Yeah, so I think you picked out a few good things, actually, and it happens quite a bit in Acts. I think we'll see it in our series coming up, that often it does come across when the apostles lay their hands on people and the Spirit uh, the Spirit actually comes upon them. So I think it, I think you probably picked out some, some really key clues there that actually, you know, in some ways the way I would describe it is that the Spirit is there. It's, it's, it's there as part of us to really empower us, uh, to give us that um, that power, strength, ability to go and to go and be bold, be out there and preaching the gospel. Uh, it's also growing us in our holiness. And so, part of I think what is going on there is that Paul is saying that actually, yeah, you do have to kind of keep that flame going. It's not that you lose the Holy Spirit maybe so much, but um, you know, in other parts, Paul talks about keeping in step with the Spirit. Like if the Spirit is kind of leading you in a particular way, it's doing a work in you, trying to get you to go a particular way. Well, then part of your job is actually keep in step with it. And I think for Timothy, and he's a guy who's been on fire for the gospel, isn't he? I mean, you kind of get that sense from Acts and then in 2 Timothy as well. Um, to an extent, I think there's a sense in which actually the Spirit is strong with Timothy and he's got a big future ahead of him. So what he's got to do then is to continue to keep living it out, to keep uh, not lose the passion for it, to keep... Um, fanning it, keep providing the oxygen, that he's going to kind of go and um, to be so passionately on about the gospel uh, that that flame never goes out for him. And so a big message for, for Timothy is to, to keep that going. Like, and you, you and I know that as well, don't you? You like come around, I don't know, about October in a year, you just start feeling tired, you just start feeling weary, and all those kind of serving things that were really exciting at the start of the year starts to get just a bit more of a drag you know, in the second half of the year, and maybe you've been sick a lot over winter and whatnot. And I think that can be the similar thing for us as well, can't it? That actually we can lose some of that passion. Uh, and maybe for you it's on a bigger scale. You know, maybe like, like if you're experiencing anything like mine, like you were really passionate in uni. Because at uni there was so much fun stuff going on. You got to go to talks every week, several times a week. You're out there doing walk-up evangelism. You are seeing friends converted. You're out there, kind of lots of things were happening in uni. And then fast forward like five or six years on, and you know, just the burdens of responsibility and things come along. And we do actually just start to feel a bit more tired. We do actually start to be a little bit less active and passionate for the gospel. And so I think part of this is an encouragement for us to actually, well, how do you keep that passion going? How is it that you uh, continue to, to be um, just as excited about the gospel as you were, say, when you were converted or when you were most active in your days in uni? And so, you know, if you got on to some of the later questions there, you got to kind of discuss a little bit more about how the gospel itself, it's actually the gospel itself that should keep driving that passion. And and the fact that Paul himself just keeps going back there, right? You know, he talks about, uh, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. 
This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality uh, to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed as a herald and an apostle and a teacher. So this Paul himself is a guy who's been suffering like immensely. Uh, he's getting towards the end of his life. So to Timothy is is kind of like one of his parting letters, really. He's he's um, you know, and and we're going to follow this story all the way through Acts. You know, the guy uh, he goes out there, he gets persecuted, he gets stoned, he gets shipwrecked, he he, he gets um, uh, he goes through the Roman court system and kind of just gets stuck in in court limbo there uh, for years and years. Um, he goes through a lot for the sake of the gospel. And yet he never loses heart. And he can keep the flame going. He keeps carrying on. And I believe actually a big part of it is the way that his deep understanding of the gospel uh, keeps him going. So I think that's just a nice word for us as we kick off um, this weekend. Uh, because we all want to be about that, don't we? We want to be on about the gospel. And we want to be about um, leaders who are continuing to be passionate of the gospel. In, in spite of everything else that's going on, the busyness of life, um, the draining uh, nature of, uh, of ministry, of serving people, of being on, on the front foot for the gospel. Um, how do we keep that going? Well, part of it actually comes from the gospel itself. It's a gospel that keeps driving us, that when you're standing on the front door on another Sunday morning, that you're thinking about, well, who could we be welcoming? Might this person not know Jesus? Or could we be doing a better job to actually help this person find a church in which they can be planted in and grow? And whatever ministry it is for you, uh, finding how that gospel uh, and being reminded of that week by week is a thing that can keep you going, especially when you're getting tired and you're getting a little worn out. Um, and so I think it's a great way to start our, off our conference. I'll just highlight a couple other things. Um, you know, I love just seeing the, the, you notice that, just how the, the gospel flowed through the generations. I mean, I just find that the most lovely thing, don't you? Like through uh, Lois, Eunice to Timothy, and then from Timothy to others. Uh, you could even say, actually, there's another thing going on here. That is, uh, Paul hears about Timothy from some of the believers in Lystra and takes him on board, uh, invites him to be uh, on, his, on his missionary journey, going, taking him from town to town. Uh, at one point, a little bit later, he leaves Silas and Timothy in Berea with, uh, if you know the Bereans, like they're, they're like top-notch, they're great. They, at a point where there was heaps of persecution around, they took Paul and the crew in and looked after them and sent them off again. He leaves them there to kind of probably get a little bit more experience with a different bunch of Christians. Uh, later, uh, Paul sends Timothy off to go and visit some churches to Corinth, Philippi, and then eventually actually gives him his first station uh, over the Ephesian church, okay? So he eventually is empowered and given a station there to actually look after that church. Um, and I think that's just a wonderful thing to kind of see how um, the gospel then gets passed on uh, through the generations in a family and through the apprenticeship that uh, Timothy goes on with Paul. And I think that's a really cool thing. Uh, I won't talk too much about some of these other slides, but um, uh, you could get the sense which Paul, you know, chooses Timothy very carefully, takes him on board intentionally, and then eventually actually releases him to kind of uh, go and take charge of his own church. Um, and you see a, a huge amount of affection between uh, Paul and Timothy, uh, even in this letter, don't you? Um, so very much kind of, you know, is on board with that whole idea of just, you know, you need to get people out and doing stuff on the job because actually most of what you learn is on the job and actually doing the work. Uh, 
Yeah, and then that middle line there, key to the pattern of sound teaching. So the events of Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension are key things that you never want to abandon. I know you might already be really convinced of this, but uh, that is a, a big message to Timothy. Uh, and along with that, I'll just mention this as well, because um, Paul keeps these two things together always. Uh, this is from 1 Timothy. Uh, he says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. You know, I come back to this passage all the time uh, because of the way that it keeps reminding us that uh, actually both your life and your doctrine matters. How you live your life uh, is just as important as you, as you actually uh, shape and model what it means to other believers. And, and actually the importance is on the level of whether you'll save yourself and your believers. So, uh, you know, Paul really elevates it right up there. So keep your, both, your, um, uh, both your doctrine, that is what you believe, what you teach, and how you live. Keep a careful watch over those things. Uh, there are going to be some themes that we're going to continue uh, as we go through uh, this weekend. But um, one thing that we, we wanted to mention, uh, I'll just skip some of these bits for now. Um, one thing that we did want to mention that uh, as part of our commitment to, to growing you guys and as well as uh, your commitment to what it means to actually be a leader here at CPE, uh, we've been working on something that we've called the Code of Conduct for Leaders here at CPE. So you might have you know, done some of these, I don't know, in your workplace, some of your teacher or something. Uh, that's one thing that we did want to mention. So uh, we've actually, Dennis has just put it up on the website for us. Uh, so if you grab your phone out, um, you might want to just bang this in now, or you can look it up um, on our website um, and have a full read-through later. But as a way of kind of pulling a lot of these ideas together about uh, what we actually want to see for leaders uh, to take all of this stuff really seriously and take it at heart, um, is that we've developed this code of conduct which really just describes, a lot of it will be, um, will be very common sense and you'll be able to kind of tick off on it, but it's worth a read. It's up on our website under the resources section. Is that right, Dennis? Yep, so if you look under resources... Yep, cbechurch.com slash resources, if you want to go straight there. Um, look that up and have a good read of it, uh, because we're going to have a little bit more of a talk about that tomorrow, and, uh, and actually ask you to affirm that you're actually going to say, hey, yeah, actually what it means to be a Christian leader is uh, to live a life that is, um, that is uh, above reproach, and that you're actually uh, committing to, to wanting to do that. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow, but that's just something for you to go away and have a bit of a read of, uh, because that's a little bit of a kind of a way of distilling a lot of this stuff down into a little document to kind of say, yeah, actually, as a leader, I do want to affirm this, and I want to say, actually, yeah, I am committed to, uh, to maintaining those things in my life. All right. All right, well, let's stop there. Um, I think we're going to take a little ice cream break. Is that right, Dennis? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we even have ice cream here. That's how, that's how awesome launch is. Um, <laughs> so uh, while Dennis gets that, why don't I pray for us? Actually, tell you what, why don't you pray uh, for each other? Get one person to pray on your table that you would pray for each other. I think both for the whole fanning the flame, uh, you know, wanting to keep that passion going and seeking to maintain uh, the sound doctrine and living that Paul talks about to his protege. Why don't you just pray for each other? I'll just say, yeah, one or two people to pray for that. Uh, while we get this ice cream out. All right.
Right, go up and grab that ice cream, guys. Uh, we will get going again in two minutes, so it's just a quick break.
space, if we can all take a seat, we'll start our next little bit. Grab your last ice creams, have a seat. Just to give you a bit of an update on the schedule for tonight, you'll notice obviously we're running behind. So what's going to happen is we probably um, will not have time to do that extended prayer time to, tonight, but we've got some time for that tomorrow. So we're still aiming to finish on time, guys, just to keep you updated. All right. All right, guys. So my session that I'm going to run tonight is just a small session. There's no notes on this. It's just to think about, to let you guys know our plan for 2023. So you guys, like Matt said, you are the heartbeat of our church. You guys really help to, without you guys, ministry would just not happen. I'm completely and utterly convinced about that. And you guys are so vital to the life of the church, which is why it's so important that you actually understand um, the plan, yeah? That you guys are completely on board, you know, with what we're doing, that you understand what's going on under the bonnet, behind the scenes. This is stuff that not everyone's going to, you know, not everyone in church we're going to talk to about, but because you guys are our key leaders, you know, we need you guys to actually understand this and know it and be on board with it, all right? So this is actually a really important session uh, for tonight. Um, let me start by giving you some big picture stuff to remind us. Um, here's the quiz. What's our mission statement? Who, who knows our mission? Mag's just pointing to the sign. So, so excited. <laughs> I heard uh, Zig was going, making the vote. <laughs> our mission, friends. Well, I, it's a mission that we know now, which is good, um, but we need to believe it, Okay. This is important. This really matters. Our mission here is to make devoted disciples of Jesus for God's glory, right? This is why we exist. This is why CP Church is around. Without this, you know, we would not have focus about what we're doing. This is why we're here, all right? This really matters because this matters to Jesus Christ. This is his final thing that he left us to do before he left and ascended back to heaven to be with the Father. So we need to keep this front and center. This is our mission, to make devoted disciples of Jesus for God's glory. Remember this. And what does that look like? That's a good question to ask with, you know, devoted discipleship. What's it look like? Well, we sum it up like this. Devoted disciples of Jesus in these five areas. This is our discipleship framework. So this is a bit of a refresher for you guys. It means magnification. We want to see disciples of Jesus loving God wholeheartedly and longing for his glory. That's what magnification means. Membership. It means we want to see people connected in Christ-centered community, loving and caring for one another. Maturity. We want to see people deep in the word and humbly obeying Christ as king. Ministry. We want to see people self-sacrificially serving for the sake of God's kingdom. And mission. We want to see people boldly proclaiming the gospel to a lost world. That's what it looks like to be a devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what the scriptures hold out to us as important. And that's how we think through discipleship here at CP Church. This is our discipleship framework. Um, Recently, we've uh, sat down with the council, the staff in the council, and we've um, been praying and thinking through a five-year vision, which we told you guys about too. Let me remind you about that. So this is where we want to go, our 2027 vision, to be a church captivated by Christ on mission for his glory and finishing the race well. That's our five-year vision. By the end of five years, that's where we want to be as a church. That's where we're headed. Now, what's the plan to get there? That's a, that's a big question, isn't it? How 
are we going to get there? This seems like a big vision, you know? How are we going to get the whole church to move in this direction, to end up here? Well, we've come up with a plan as a staff team. And let me just present to you really briefly. So this is a brief plan where we're going to actually outline one big priority per year that we'll be focusing on. Okay? That doesn't mean that's the only thing that we'll do, but priorities are priorities because that's what, we dis- what you decide actually matters. You can't do everything at once. So we want to dig in. We want to focus on one big I- priority per year, which we think will help us get to that vision. Just to give you a quick overview. So for 2023 this year, it's actually ministry. It's actually serving. This is what I'm going to talk about for the rest of the night. So I'll just, I won't talk about it now. 2024, next year. Sounds weird, hey, saying next year, but 2024. It's maturity. We want to actually see that year happen where people start, um, the, the one-to-one relationships we really want to develop. We want to dig, really dig into life groups. We want to dig deep into the maturity area. 2025, we're going to push hard into mission, right? We're going to push hard into mobilizing people to get out there, sharing the gospel. We want to be sharing, evangelizing, sharing Jesus with as many people as we can. We want to get the church there, right? And 2026, that's our magnification year, all right, where we really want to focus again on bringing us our hearts back to Jesus Christ, loving him more, having services that really um, worship and glorify him. And, you know, depending on our growth, that might be a time for another service. I know we've only got one right now, but we're looking ahead. Yeah. In 2027, that's a year of us consolidating the wins where we hope to just bring things together. We want to bring things together that year. We want to celebrate the things that have happened. We want to firm it up, and then we'll be planning for the next five years. That's a brief snapshot of our plan uh, that we got in place here. I wanted to let you guys know as as leaders. Obviously, there'll be more details coming of what that might actually look like, but that's the big picture. That's where we're headed, right? That gives you a bit of context to understand what's happening in the life of the church. Um, We want to talk to you about this year, though, first of all, right? And let me talk to you about the focus areas for 2023. So let's put it this way. There's (laughs) There's a lot to do in terms of discipleship, isn't there? in terms of this church, in terms of people, in terms of what um, is important here. And we can't do everything. So we need to pick a few things to actually focus on. That doesn't mean that we won't do the other things at all, because there's things that we're continually called to do, the word and prayer, encouraging one another. We'll, we'll keep doing all those things. But here's a few focus areas to let you know for 2023. And there's, there's, there's three focus areas, but one of them is our big priority, all right? But the first focus area is this, mobilizing for mission. All right. This means that, you know, you saw our mission year is going to be in 2025, but that's not just going to happen, right? We're not going to hit 2025, and not everybody's just going to go, okay, I'm going to get out and share Jesus now. We've got to start mobilizing people for mission. We want to start inspiring that heart for evangelism. We want to start lighting that fire in people's hearts where they're grieving their lost friends, and they're wanting to see more people come to Jesus Christ. And that's a slow burn. That's a process that we start right now. Okay, so that is a priority for us. That's going to hum away in the background. One of our focus areas this year is to keep mobilizing for mission, getting people thinking about mission, getting people thinking about evangelism. That's why we're starting this this year, continuing our Acts series. So you'll notice that our Acts series is actually all focused on mission, building gospel friendships, really giving people that vision. We want to keep stoking that fire, right? So we're starting this year doing that, all right? The next thing is launching two new gatherings. Obviously, this is a focus area for us. I've talked about this a little bit through our members' meetings, but launching two new gatherings. Note, we're not two gatherings. Doesn't mean we're doing two brand, you know, we're not going to have three in total. There's two in total. Two gatherings would be 
a 9 a.m. and an 11 a.m. The 9.30 will cease to exist as it is, and both of those gatherings are going to be very different. They'll both be new. As people change, the culture will be different. The reality is when a church is 80% full, uh, people start thinking a few things. Um, the newcomers that walk in through our door start thinking, actually, there's no room for me here. And the regulars in church, subconsciously, even if you don't realize it, start thinking, well, maybe they don't, maybe there's no room for my friends. Maybe I don't need to invite my friends here. And CP, as you'll be seeing with our growth, we're at this point. You know, the, the last thing we want is our building to be the limiting factor in terms of people coming and hearing the gospel. So it's actually really central for us to be launching these two new gatherings. Yeah? So that's two of our focus areas. But our big one, right, is this. Yeah, it's multiplying ministry. And that's what I'm going to talk about for the rest of this time. Our priority for this year, so we'll, we'll, we'll chip away at those other two this year, but our priority this year is multiplying ministry. Multiplying ministry. What does that mean? Well, it means two things. It means to increase the number of people serving at CPE. More people raised up to serve across all of church life. And it also means to increase the depth of the people serving at CPE. People trained to do high-level ministry, example, teaching the Bible, counseling, strategic planning, those sorts of things. So it's not just about number. It's not just about more people. It's also about the existing people and more people stepping into roles which are high-level roles where they can go deeper with people. Why does this matter? That's an important question. Firstly, theologically, this, you know, scripturally, you know, on Sunday, I'm actually going to be giving a vision sermon to the, all of church. I'm going to be spending quite a lot of time there, so I won't talk about it much tonight, but let me give you just a, a brief summary. It matters because we were made to serve God. That's what we were made for. 1 Thessalonians um, uh, 1 verse 9 actually talks about how uh, what the gospel does is the impact of the gospel is that we turn from idols to serve the true and living God. That's what we're called to in the gospel. Servanthood, serving God, is part of who we are as God's people. That's who we are. This is not an optional extra. So the more we can actually live this out and help our people live this out in all of our life, the more that they'll be living out what God has called them to be. What a privilege when you think about it. Do you guys ever think about this? I often think about what a privilege it is that God would use us in his plans to bring people into eternity and help them know and love Jesus Christ. People like us. What a privilege. So that means um, you shouldn't apologize when you ask people to serve, when you realize this. I don't know if you ever, you know, if, you, if you're a leader, sometimes you've got to ask people to help out, serve, and you feel a bit like, oh, I'm sorry to bother you. So don't do that. Because you're giving them an opportunity to live out who they're called to be, a servant of God. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. We were made to serve God. That's why this matters. More of this on Sunday. But let's talk about the strategic element to this too. Why does this matter strategically? Well, here's the reality. We're growing as a church. Um, in January, which is often quite quiet, we're already averaging over 200 people in services. We're seeing multiple new families come through our doors, bringing both Sunday school kids and high schoolers in. Uh, these ministries are all exploding uh, CP Youth has tripled in number since the start of last year. And as our ministries grow, there is a need for more servants. And here's the reality. We don't have enough. One of the reasons this is is because we're constantly playing catch-up. We're playing catch-up. And this isn't just us. 
Okay, so don't feel too bad. This is churches everywhere. <laughs> it's a common scene. You get to the end of the year and you realize we don't have enough people to run this ministry next year. What do we do? And we don't have people prepared. There's no one ready to serve. There's no one ready to lead teams, to serve in the teams. So you've got two options. You plug the gaps with people who aren't quite ready or you make the existing leaders take on more work. Both of which aren't ideal, are they? If we want to see things get better, we need to change the, ways, the way we're doing things. We need to multiply ministry. We need to multiply ministry. That means we need to establish a pipeline of training and development so we can see more people serving and we can see more people equipped to serve at a deeper level. This needs to happen if we're actually going to keep loving and serving and growing our people. It's going to take work, but let me tell you, it'll be worth it. Because when this happens, what we'll see is healthier teams that are better resource, so the load is shared and the ministry can be more effective. And when the ministry is more effective, then the church is healthier. The church thrives, the church grows. Just imagine this. Imagine every life group with a male and female leader trained up in the skills of teaching the word and pastoral care and two trainee leaders in every single group. Imagine a culture of one-to-one discipleship happening in the church because all the leaders have been trained to do it and they are training others to do it as they meet up with others. And then it just becomes a part of what we do. Everyone's doing it. Imagine teams that are filled to the brim of committed individuals keen to serve each week. That we have too many people each week. We had to rust them off because there was too many people instead of not having enough. Imagine a church full of leaders, more joyful, less tired, more sustainable. This would be a church where everyone is actually encouraged, loved, cared for, supported, grown in the faith because everyone is helping. Friends, I want to talk about this priority as not something that's just practical because we want more people to do more stuff for us so we can be like a cool big church, right? That's not what it's about. Ultimately, this is about us helping more people know Jesus and live as devoted disciples of Jesus. We need people to help here. For this to happen, we need everyone to do their part. Everyone to do their part. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Pareto Principle. Who's heard of the Pareto Principle? Ezekiel knows it. Zeke, what is it? The 80-20 rule, yep. Yeah, yeah, so it's a principle, it's an 80-20 principle and applies, hello, Milo. It applies to a lot of the, a, a lot of the different areas, right? Oh, she can do it. I didn't, I didn't think she'd be able to climb up. <laughs> um, what I see is a bit of the Pareto principle operating across church. Um, and not just our church, across churches all over the place. And it says this, that 20% of people actually do 80% of the work. 20% of the people actually do 80% of the work. I think this is true. I think this is true. You know, maybe the numbers might be slightly off, but, you know, you guys are the 20% that I'm so thankful for, that give so much to your ministries, right? And you're doing so much ministry. But think about this. What if 100% of people did their part? What if every single person that stepped through the door of this church stepped up to serve Jesus Christ? Can you imagine the impact we could have for God's kingdom? Can you imagine what we could do? 
Imagine if we could unleash the potential in our church. If we could identify everyone's gifts, train them, get them serving. Imagine if we could help people step up and do what um, you guys are all doing, lead, just grow more leaders. Imagine if we could uh, get people to step up to do what I'm doing, what Matt's doing, what Ben's doing. You don't have, not, not to be a pastor, but to do the things that pastors do. More people that can preach, do pastoral care, the counseling. Imagine that. Imagine what we could achieve for the gospel. Friends, as leaders, a lot depends on us. Okay? I know you all have different levels of leadership in your different ministries. But as a leader, let me tell you, a lot depends on you. Depending on what sort of leader you are, you're, go- you're called to do things that others cannot do. But what this means sometimes is the fact is this, that we're often the bottlenecks to ministry happening. You guys know the bottleneck principle is pretty clear there, that, you know, things flow through, but once they reach this narrow opening, you might experience this on the highway, on in Pikau, on the way home. You reach this, there's a crash in one lane and everything slows down because it's narrowed down. Um, everything slows down as everything has to go through this narrow opening. Sometimes that's us as leaders. Everything slows down because we are the ones that do everything. We're the ones that everyone relies on. And not only does that mean that things slow down, it also means we feel tired, drained, and stretched. Because it all goes through us. But if we can open up that bottleneck, if we can train more people to do what we do, if we can give them the skills to lead, to love others, to serve well, I think the sky's the limit. Who knows what God will do? If we open up that bottleneck of ministry, if we enable more people to step up in serving, if we train them to do so, friends, that's our goal for this year. Our goal is to open that bottleneck up, is to multiply ministry. That's our focus this year. So what's the plan? Well, let me tell you, the first thing that needs to happen is to change our mindset. Change our mindset. Friends, I want you to change the way you think about ministry, all right? I, want, I don't want you to think about doing ministry anymore, okay? I'm not telling you to stop doing it. Please don't stop, all right? Don't think about doing ministry. But I want you to start thinking about multiplying ministry, all right? We don't do ministry here anymore, okay? We need to multiply ministry. Because when we multiply ministry, we're going to have a far bigger impact for God's kingdom. Right? In everything we do, we need to start having a training mentality, always looking to help someone take their next step in serving God. Um, we need to keep thinking about what's next for this person as they walk with Jesus. How can, they, how can they step up and how can they be serving? How can they be living out what God's called them to do? Um, I'll show you this diagram, which has been around for a long time. It's a framework of discipleship, right? Something that I was trained in when I was yo- um, younger. I was going to say younger. I was younger. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Um, it's this. Now, it's about discipleship. And what we think about... Uh, discipleship it's about people right and where people are at in terms of their relationship with Jesus so we can see that you know when people are not Christian you know they're in the domain of darkness this is language from Colossians non-Christians um, as they know Jesus they move in to the kingdom um, but they start a level which is where they're in need help Christian where they need to be established in their faith maybe they're struggling with some sins um, you know things like that and we never fully you know we'll always be needing help from others you know this is not a linear, you just graduate and you never need help again. Um, but there comes a stage where people 
Uh, they get established in their faith. Uh, they, you know, their convictions grow. They, you know, they understand what it means to live for Jesus Christ. And they move to a stage which is training in ministry. Now, that seems like a big step up from need help to training in ministry. But I actually think that that actually captures what Scripture tells us about what it means to live for Jesus Christ. That we serve Jesus Christ as our Lord. That doesn't mean that they automatically go and they lead some high-level ministry thing. It means they just start thinking about how can they serve others? How can I help someone at Bible study? How can I pray for someone after church? And we want to help them take that step, right? So training in ministry is actually the next step. It could be a formal ministry or it could be, yeah, just a ministry of the pew, you know, sitting next to someone on Sunday, yeah? But we want to think about training. And then there's a training in ministry leader level where um, there's some people that you want that actually, you know, we identify as having gifts for leadership. And we want to start thinking about giving them opportunities to train, giving them opportunities to become maybe leaders in the church. Then what happens after that level is the self-starter level, right, which is a level where essentially, um, you know, I think uh, self-starters are people that you can lead by themselves and you don't have to worry about them, yeah? Does that make sense? They're self-starters. They, they take... They take ownership of their own faith. They start ministries wherever they go. If you drop them into a new church, they'll be asking the pastor, can I actually help and start something here to help disciple people, right? And, from, and then there's also people worth watching, which is what we, it's a category that was used to identify people who might be going into full-time ministry, potentially pastors, missionaries, servants of the gospel full-time, right? This is a framework that has been used for decades in the Australian church. It's not a framework, uh, let me get something very clear. It's not a framework of your value in the church, okay? Yeah, not everyone's going to be a leader in the church. That's okay, but we're all called to be servants in the church. Not everyone's going to go into full-time ministry. They're not, they're not all going to be people worth watching. That's, that's fine, absolutely fine. But what, what this is identifying is that people are called to serve, and we are to keep thinking about, can we help them take a next step to serving? Yeah, I love this framework. It's a decades-old framework. It's been so influential in the Australian church because I like it because it's really been, training is so embedded in the philosophy of this discipleship framework that we're always training people to serve Jesus. We're always training people to serve Jesus because that's what Jesus left us to do, isn't it? Go and make disciples. And we need to keep training and helping people to serve Jesus in that big call. So friends, um, changing our mindset is the key. That's where it actually starts. Let me give you an idea of our broad plan. This is still in draft form about this year multiplying ministry, right? So we split up into quarters, okay? This is just a very high-level sort of picture that the staff are working through at the moment, so things could change a little bit. But quarter one, which is where we're at now, it's almost one month through the year. It's flying by. Uh, it's our leaders' large launch conference. Uh, the staff we're going to start training leaders um, through one-to-one relationships. That's a big focus for us this year, to start more one-to-one relationships, start investing in training leaders. Um, and our big priority in quarter one is just to embed the vision of multiplying ministry across the church, which is something that we're doing right now, which is something that we want to see you guys doing in your groups, which is something we want to see you guys doing in your teams to actually start talking about this. You know, Whether you're in a Sunday school, youth, life groups, whatever you're doing, we should start thinking about this, You know, multiplying ministry. Um, the next quarter, uh, we're going to be digging into Philippians as our teaching series. And the reason we're doing this is actually to give a picture of partnership in the gospel. 
what does it mean to be a partner in the gospel, to be a servant in the gospel? We want to see from God's word the truths that really drive us in this. And this is the quarter that we're going to start multiplying team members, we're going to start recruiting for more team, uh, recruiting more people to teams, identifying people's gifts. We'll probably need your help here to do that because we're gearing up for quarter three where some big things are going to be happening. Quarter three is where we'll be doing a, a teaching series on church. What does it mean to be the church uh, from God's word? Um, and this is actually the quarter two at the end of this quarter where we'll be launching our new gathering, which is why we need to be multiplying our team members beforehand. Yep. This is a quarter two that uh, we have a vision to actually train our leaders in pastoral care to help them care for the people that are around them because we think that's a really important area that we've sort of been neglecting. Yep. And quarter four is a, a quarter of consolidation uh, to provide care and support of team members and team leaders after launching another gathering, after a busy, uh, busy year, just a, a quarter to just really bring things together and make sure that leaders and team members are in a good place. Yeah? So that's a really broad, broad plan picture of our multiplying ministry um, sort of um, strategy. Yeah. So I hope that just gives you a little bit of a picture about where we're going. But for this stuff to happen, I really must emphasize, we need to change our mindset. We've just got to change our mindset, a training mindset. Who can we train? You know, who can we help step up? The last thing I want to talk about briefly is this. You know, how can you help? All right? First is this. Be a part of culture change. As leaders in the church, you guys are the culture setters. Right? Who you are, what you say, what you do, you transform the culture of our church, honestly. So talk about our priorities. You know, start, talk about training as a norm. Cast vision about why this is actually helpful, what we're trying to do. If you care about this, your people will catch it. Sometimes you don't even have to intentionally do too much about it. But if you care about training people and helping people step up, your people will feel that. They'll know that. But we need every single person jumping on board here to be a part of the culture change. You guys are leaders. You are the culture setters here. The second thing is this. Be on the lookout for potential team members. Don't leave it to staff guys, because you guys are on the ground serving. You guys see what's happening. You guys have conversations with people. You guys are so valuable in actually helping us identify people to come onto your teams. The first thing to look for when you're looking for someone new for your team, it's their character. Yeah? Just think about that. Look for the people who are ready serving in small ways. Look, at the, look for the people who are packing up the chairs afterwards or you know, talking to the newcomer. You know, the humble servant-hearted people. That's the sort of people we want on our teams. You know, that's just a little tip for you guys. But we, want, we need your help to look out for potential new team members. Here's the next one. Replace yourself. Replace yourself. Think about this. Who could you train to do your job? Not so you can sit back and do nothing, but so you are indispensable to everything that happens in your ministry so that everything relies on you. And there's more potential for you, maybe to step into another area that you could serve in. You could be helping in with the gifts you already have. So think about this. Who can you train to actually replace yourself in your role? And the fourth one is this. Be open to stepping up. One of our big aims as a staff team, a pastoral team, is to invest more into all of you guys as leaders just yet. Because um, I, I really do believe everything rises and falls on leadership. Uh, you are all doing an amazing job in all your different areas. So thank you so much for the energy and time that you're putting in 
You're making a huge difference, honestly. We couldn't, we couldn't do our ministries without you guys. Um, uh, this year, I'd love for you to just start prayerfully considering. Um, considering maybe if you could step up. Could you maybe make a greater impact with the gifts that you have? Yeah. Is there actually another ministry role? Maybe, maybe something that takes, it's a bit higher level, but that you could actually use your gifts for to help the kingdom work here at CPU. Maybe that could mean starting to disciple someone one-to-one. Maybe that is stepping up to pastorally care for someone in need. Maybe that's teaching a group or leading a whole team if you're not doing that at the moment. We're here to support you and train you up to step up. I believe that you guys actually have so much potential in you. Um, If you've got a willing heart, that's actually the the best start. You know, God's going to use that for his glory. So I want you to think about this. Be open to stepping up. Friends, that's just a bit of a look of, you know, what our ministry priority is for this year of multiplying ministry. I hope that's helped you understand a little bit more about what we're on about this year. Um, I think uh, one thing to note is that we need all your help in this. We need to do this together. Together, we can multiply ministry here at CPU. And as we do that, God will be glorified. God will be glorified as we help people step up to who he's made them to be, to serve him. And as we make more and more devoted disciples of Jesus for his glory. Okay? All right. I'll pray. How about I pray for that? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to you for the privilege of serving you. We thank you that despite how flawed we are, despite how imperfect we are, despite how often we don't do the job as well as we think we maybe should, you still use us. You still use us to help people know Jesus. You still use us to introduce new people to Jesus. You still use us to change lives. And we're so privileged that we have this opportunity, Father God. Help us this year as we think about multiplying ministry, as we think about helping more people step up to serve to, and helping um, more people step up into maybe different roles that they haven't considered before, that you give us wisdom to do so. Um, help us to have a steady reliance on you in this, that knowing that we can't change hearts, it's only you can, only you can do that. And like we read before, may the gospel really drive us. May the Holy Spirit in us and that conviction of what is right and true and good really drive us to want to see more and more people know Jesus Christ. And we pray all this for his glory. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Cheers, brother. Hey, that's, uh, that's really exciting. I love, I love seeing our lead pastor excited about that. It makes me excited too, hey? How good. Hey, uh, one thing, just as we do, where well, we've got 20-odd minutes to finish off, um, uh, tomorrow we're going to be talking a lot more um, about what this looks like in terms of leading others and, and multiplying ministry. But uh, one of the things we wanted to get up front um, that's important, I think you did mention it before as well, is actually the importance of actually um, leading ourselves first, and by which I mean uh, growing in our own self-awareness and having a plan for our own growth uh, before we kind of get on to leading others and, and wanting to show others the way, it's actually good to take us to stop and take a moment to reflect on ourselves. So I've got a bit of an exercise here. Uh, who, who likes personality tests? Who likes personality? I, I always find them really kind of interesting. Um, so we're going to do, do a quick uh, survey of, of what kinds of people we have here. So 
Uh, to do that, everyone needs to jump out of your seats, all right? You need to jump out of your seats. We're going we're gonna to move around a bit, get, get a bit of blood going into those legs. Uh, all right, so this is then, this is the, uh, the big five personality traits, a uh, very common one that's out there. I mean, look, there's dozens and dozens of different personality tests. Uh, but uh, I wanted to see what kinds of people we have here. So uh, what we're going to do, we're going to move around according to where you sit on various scales of this personality uh, line. Let's start with an easy one. Let's start with extroverts down that end, introverts down that end. If you're sort of somewhere in between on the spectrum, you can kind of drift there as well. Uh, if you're not familiar, uh, extroverts are those who are uh, really outgoing, energetic, love, hanging out with people. Uh, introverts, a little bit more reserved, more reflective. Find where you sit on the spectrum. We've got a, quite a few fence sitters in the middle there. Okay, all right. Is anyone do you reckon is in the wrong place? Yes? Who do you reckon is in the wrong place? Steve. <laughs> oh, Eric. What are you saying? <laughs> all right. All right, here's a question for you. Just have a chat with a couple of people around you because there'll be people who are similar on that scale or at least on your own self -like. How do you reckon that affects how you lead people? How do you reckon that reflects, uh, how might that uh, uh, influence where you uh, lead others? Have a quick chat with some people around you. I'm just drifting down to the uh, extreme end of the extroverts over here. So. <laughs> well, Eric's going further and further away. What do you guys discuss? Uh, we didn't discuss much, but we brought up, we brought up a point that uh, it's possibly easier to be relational. Yeah, because you just like hanging out with people a lot. Refuel by being with people rather than drained by that. So it's usually capacity to connect with people. Yep, so if you're kind of involved with um, team and ministry, then you're often, oh, she's going to take a photo. Look out, look out. I hope you're in the right spots. That um, in lots of ways it gives you energy, hanging out with people, so doing ministry, doing stuff with the team uh, could actually be, uh, could be, could be helpful. I'm going to drift down to the introverts. Have, have you guys introduced it? yourselves to each other yet? <laughs> yeah, they haven't actually started talking yet, no. Uh, any, any thoughts, Chester? 
Why me? <laughs> um, I think we, yeah, what are a few things? I think one was like, as introverts, sometimes it's, we are able to empath, um, uh, empathize a lot better or easier with people in terms of people who are quite shy or anxious or um, quite, the, yeah. And then Sydney also had a good point as well. You got it. No, you, you're doing well. <laughs> I said that I made a generalization that introverts are sometimes pretty observant. And because of that, we observe little intricate details about people and little things like that add to the relationship. Even though it's a smaller group, those um, details that build relationships can be a lot stronger. Great, I'm so glad actually that you guys picked up on that because I think they have shown that actually uh, introverts tend to be a little bit more reflective on things, and that's actually a really useful skill as a leader. Um, so, uh, yeah, so hey, there are some advantages and disadvantages on both ways. All right, let's go up to the next one, conscientiousness, okay? Conscientiousness, all right? Uh, I'm gonna say uh, very conscientious, okay? Efficient, organized people down that end. Uh, pretty easy going, carefree down this end. Uh, I know which way I'm going. I'm, I'm actually a little bit more down this way, I think. More conscientious to less conscientious. Okay, if you're conscientious, you're usually very prepared, very details oriented. If you're down, if you're less conscientious, you might actually be a little bit more creative and spontaneous, maybe. No one wants to admit to being super conscientious. <laughs> well, I'm going to sort of drift into the middle here. This is the, the somewhat, the somewhat conscientious end. All right, why, why is a bit of conscientiousness good? bit conscientious to get something done but also if you're too rigid and structured maybe then you don't have flexibility to roll with the punches of life yeah, yeah. okay what about down down this end so this is the less conscientious a little bit more easygoing creative types down here who wants to talk me again like <laughs> advantages um, I guess um, if you're a bit more easygoing, uh, uh, you can get along with people a bit uh, better, I guess. Sometimes you just... Maybe I went a bit too far. You weren't conscientiously thinking about how that applies to everyone over there. Um, uh, yeah, so some... So Sometimes actually lower levels of conscientiousness can actually free you up a little bit because you're less focused on the details and kind of obsessive on that level. Uh, so there can be, uh, and it depends actually on the level of your leadership as well because um, you might know like a lot of lower level leadership positions might require a little bit more conscientiousness because there's a lot of stuff you just got to get done. Um, whereas actually higher up, sometimes you need a little bit more creativity and thought. All right, neuroticism. 
neuroticism, okay? Uh, neuroticism is about how you kind of handle stress. You're someone who gen generally is pretty anxious and gets stress over there. You're generally someone who's pretty calm and stable uh, down that end. Shuffle around. Let's have a look. Sean's just casually hanging out, shifting down here. What's what's uh, what's good about being less neurotic? So am I less or more neurotic? This is the less neurotic end. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're in the right place. <laughs> I don't know what less neurotic. Feel like yeah. Because I mean, life throws a lot at you, so it's. Try not to get overwhelmed by too many things. I have to balance my wife's side out. She's not here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so you can kind of roll with the punches a little bit more when, when uh, things come along. All right, this is the, the slightly more neurotic end. <laughs> JC runs away every time. <laughs> I don't know how, how we help. Uh, <laughs> I suppose we want to make sure things will go well. The highlight keywords, make sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so neurotic people tend to be, um, you tend to have lot, like more of a response to things. And sometimes that's actually needed. Like uh, <laughs> I'm kind of with Sean, I'm down that end and my wife's way down that end. And we kind of balance each other out because there's times where I'm really calm and that's good and balancing for her. But there's times when she's actually reacting to things and I go, oh, yeah, that's actually really important. I should have a reaction. I should actually, like, react to that and not just, not just kind of uh, sit there. All right, openness. Uh, openness, okay. You're, uh, you're very open, which means you're very inventive. You're a curious kind of person. Or you're someone who's a little bit more cautious, uh, consistent, uh, you like things that are being uh, similar to how things have been done, for example. A few guys swapping places. Okay, do you like to try new things? Do you like stability? Going down to the high openness end here. Uh, Chess is very open. Uh, <laughs> I think 
Oh, well, I guess being open is just like you, you're open to try new things and willing to take those risks as well. So try and try things to see if they work or not. Uh, and kind of like, yeah, looking for those opportunities for like just working differently as well. Uh, different, yeah, different circumstances. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is a sense in which um, uh, you actually need, sometimes you actually need to be open to new ideas. Uh, so that's, that's definitely me. Uh, the downside is that sometimes you're coming up with new ideas when actually uh, you're way past that point and you're actually down, you know, down the implementation end and you've got to stop coming up with new ideas as well. All right, coming down this end, uh, lower openness, good, good or bad things. Uh, I think the consistency and caution stood out to me on this scale. Uh, I think when I'm comfortable, I like to stay comfortable. Uh, I like things being consistent, and I'm not very curious. I'm just, if I want to know something, I'll find it out. But I've, other than that, it's now just sit and chill and not really think about creative things. Yeah, there is actually, um, there is, I don't know if you ever work for a boss that, that's like this, but there is an effect where someone's coming up with new ideas like every 15 seconds, and people just, like, they're so unpredictable, you don't even know what you're gonna be doing that day. Um, and so that's, that can be the potential downside to openness as well, whereas sometimes you actually need some consistency and predictability so that people can actually follow you, they actually know where you're going, you're not gonna change direction in, in 10 minutes time. Uh, all right. Uh, where are we up to? What have we not done? Okay, agreeableness. Agreeableness. The measure of one's trusting and helpful nature. Okay. Um, so, are you friendly and compassionate down that end? Or are you challenging and detached down that end? Now, that sounds actually a lot more judgmental than it needs to be. Uh, if you're someone who's very trusting and sensitive, you're probably more down that end. Uh, if you're someone who's a little bit more skeptical, uh, a bit more stubborn, a bit less sympathetic towards people, you might be down more down that end. The all, all the agreeable people are just gone with the crowd. They don't want to. Disagree. <laughs> right. Who, who else can I pick on here? All right, Grace, Stephanie, tell me about being so agreeable. Always willing to help, offer a helping hand. Always willing to offer a helping hand, and you're more agreeable. Yeah, so people agreeable, uh, love helping others, love getting alongside others, uh, good for team harmony, good for kind of building up the team because you're always really conscious of the relationships and things. Uh, all right, what about down this end? Who we got? Who we got? Uh, Pat, <laughs> the volunteer. Um, I, th I was thinking like the things that are right and important are more important than like making people happy sometimes. So sometimes doing the right thing is more important. Can I add one more to that? I agree with Patrick's thought, but I think to, as a cover up for the rest of us, I like to think most of us internalize that thought, but we still think that way. <laughs> if it, like, if I disagree, I, I, think, I, I think people say a lot of thoughts and 
That's your agreeable brain kicking in there, I reckon. Yeah, all right. Uh, let me ask you, when it comes to giving feedback, do you think it's better being down that end or down that end? Yes, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Because actually, uh, you can be sort of so agreeable that you, you, you can never actually deliver anything truthful to anyone because you're so conscious of their feelings. Uh, on the other hand, you can be so kind of brutally truthful <laughs> that it's, you know, you're kind of tearing the skin off people. Um, and somewhere in between, actually, you kind of probably, you know, you need to understand your tendency which way um, and which way you might swing. So actually, if you're down that end, you might go, well, how can I be really sensitive about this? And if you're down this end, uh, you might be actually needing to challenge yourself on what might it mean to actually be able to, be able to deliver some of that feedback. Um, because actually keeping people accountable might seem really counterintuitive to you because you're all about kind of harmony and relationships and that sort of thing. Does that sound kind of roughly right for you guys down that end? Yeah, all right, come down and grab a seat. Come back and grab a seat. Just quieting down now, guys. So just to try and make a bit of a point about um, personality, um, there's a lot of stuff out there about personality and how it works within teams. And if you work in any kind of corporate context, chances are you've done a personality test of some sort, Myers-Briggs, DISC, Strength Finder, Working Genius, something like that. Uh, really helpful. Helps you to understand yourself a little bit better. Helps you understand how you might work and interact with others, uh, which I think is also really important. And a lot of the, the literature out there will talk about, you know, how you can understand your particular unique strengths and weaknesses um, and playing to your strengths, helping to cover your weaknesses, maybe actually have other members on your team who are different to you so that they can help to cover some of your weaknesses. Um, and there's a lot of stuff out there like that. But when I ask you the question, uh, does the Bible talk a lot about personality? hard to say in some sense because it's, it's much more of a modern concept. That's something that's probably not really in the view for uh, people uh, of the ancient Near East. But that's an interesting thought, isn't it? The Bible actually doesn't talk heaps about um, personality. Um, it talks a lot about character. It talks a lot about character. Now, I just wanted to run through a few of the kind of uh, similarities and differences between personality and character. Uh, there is some overlap between the two, but I think it's actually helpful to kind of understand this space because as it comes to kind of reflecting on ourselves and, and uh, personality stuff is actually really helpful, uh, but actually I think the Bible goes to a layer uh, below that. So uh, what's some of the differences between character and personality? So personality defines the unique combination of mental behavior along with the qualities and traits uh, such as feeling, acting, and thinking patterns. Uh, character, defined as the distinguishing and enduring moral and mental characteristics that a person possesses as a human being. 
Your character will determine your response or action to any given situation or event. And generally, your character uh, is what defines your thinking style and behavior pattern. Now, I'm going to just tease that out a little bit more. Um, uh, so personality tends to be a little bit more outward facing. So you can usually tell stuff about someone's personality within five minutes of meeting them. Right, you'll be able to tell straight away that they'll be someone who's super talkative and out there, and you go, yeah, you're straight up extrovert. You can tell that pretty quickly. Character, on the other hand, is much more inward, and it's and it's it's kind of it's an it's kind of your actions and behaviour over a period of time because it's actually reflecting something that's a little bit deeper down, right, a deeper layer about the character traits that can only really be proved, I think, over time, and that's how you get to know someone's character. Now, one has a lot more of a moral side to it, um, and that would be the character side, uh, whereas one sort of more uh, says with your particular, you know, relating physical uh, personality traits. Uh, identity, uh, one is more identified with who we are, uh, whereas one is more how we're seen to be out there in the world. Um, and the last one I think is the most uh, interesting one and, and maybe the most important one is that actually your character is more open to change and development. That is, our personalities probably don't change as much. Uh, it probably does change, I think, a bit um, as a kid growing up and you have lots of different circumstances and situations. But probably, in all likelihood, uh, your personality probably doesn't change. You probably just discover more about it as you go along. Right? Like, I always thought that I was a real introvert because I was generally a super shy kid. Uh, but actually, as I grew up, uh, I found actually I loved hanging out with people more and more and uh, realized I was probably uh, tipping onto the extrovert side. Uh, uh, so that's just a little bit of a break. Does anyone have any questions on that, by the way? No? So we'll keep rolling on. So, yes. Beautifully put. Did everyone quite capture that? Blink her in. Guys got that? I mean, that was almost the exact point that I was going to make, actually. That uh, <laughs> Sorry not to apologise. I'm trying to, be <laughs> um, trying to be too agreeable there. No, um, uh, uh, yeah, so the character, because it's reflective um, of what's uh, on a deeper level, it actually, I think, in lots of ways is, is far more important. O over time, I think you'll find that actually character will make the far bigger difference in the way that you relate and the harmony of your teams and everything because uh, especially, uh, especially as we think about it as Christians, if our character is driven very much by love, then we're actually thinking about not just what our personality is and that's just who we are and so, you know, stuff it if you don't get along with me, but actually we're thinking a little bit harder about, well, how does my, my personality interact with others and how can I actually uh, shape myself uh, such that my, my strengths are good, I can play to them, but also actually I'm thinking about my weaknesses, thinking about the points where uh, maybe uh, uh, where I uh, need to be careful of those edges of my personality that have the potential to upset team harmony or to deliver things in insensitive ways. Uh, so I think it's always interesting. Uh, so I think what, 
when I think about personality, I think about that in terms usually of self-awareness, okay? So just being aware of your personality traits, how you relate to others, how you respond under stress. Uh, so we're thinking about, you know, what aspects of your personality might affect the, the way you lead others you know, in meetings, how you give feedback, how you strategize and come up with ideas, for example. Right, all of those things will, will be affected by our personality and just being at least a little bit aware of it can actually help you uh, work out well, how do I interact in, a, in some of these different settings and where do I need to say try and push myself to be a little bit more out there? Where do I have to be more willing to entertain some new ideas? Or where do I, uh, where do I actually need to kind of push myself to actually be honest and give a bit more feedback to people, for example? But I think ultimately, um, one of the things that we're going to keep pushing here is to focus on your character. Focus on your character. So not only just because um, your personality you probably can't change, uh, but actually because uh, the Bible tends to be much, much more on about character as well. So uh, Paul says this to Timothy, uh, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, the persecutions I endured? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Do you see that actually Paul puts quite a moral spin on a lot of these things? That actually it's about um, the, the godly life that you want to live and how that works out in, your, in faith, in patience, in love, in endurance, right? These are all virtues. These are all characters, character traits. Um, and, so, uh, and so one of the things we wanted to keep putting forward to you, especially as we're thinking, uh, spending a weekend thinking about leading others, is thinking about how can you keep growing your character, Okay, what does it look like? You know, what are the character traits that you would like to develop more of this year? You know, and you might even ask yourself the other flip question is, where does my character actually not reflect my convictions? Because where you have that dissonance between what you think, what you, what you uh, think the Bible wants you to be, and who you actually are, kind of, we all actually have that to some extent, but then kind of taking that and going, well, what does that look like for me to actually then work on that? So what, what are some of the key habits that I might need to work on so that I can actually uh, develop that, that part of me? And then thinking about, well, how, uh, how will you go about developing those traits? So I, we won't have time to kind of do some of that work today, but I just wanted to plant that as something that's really important and actually something that's really key to focus on for anyone in any position of Christian leadership. What have I got here? Oh, here's some examples of dissonance. So, Maybe from the rest series, you know, you're really convicted of your need to rest in Christ and in God's sovereignty, but you find it man, really hard to just stop and rest because, you, well, you just like covering all the bases and keeping control of everything, right? Maybe that's actually one of those places you go, well, well, yeah, I actually could do with a real plan to kind of work on being someone who, who really rests in Christ um, and isn't kind of just drawn into the, the, endless, um, uh, the endless kind of mouse wheel where you're just always on the run. Yeah, maybe you're convicted that well, you need to relate to others with love, kindness, and patience, but you also find that you regularly snap at your kids, put down your spouse, or get frustrated by others, right? What does it mean to actually work on that part of your character? 
you know this the fruit of spirit is self-control, but when it comes to food, gaming, porn, TV, social media, uh, any of the above, uh, you just find you can't stop yourself. What would it mean to actually work on our self-control? Now, one of those verses I read out earlier from Paul uh, was very much about, um, about making progress. So I find with all these things, I always, I always go, oh man, there's so many things, so many things that I need to work on, uh, especially as a, as a Christian leader and especially as a pastor. But Paul, as he speaks to Timothy, very much says, hey, just make sure people can see your progress. Because it's not about perfection. Uh, none of us can uh, pretend like we have no instances in our life where our character doesn't match our convictions. Uh, we all have them. The question is, what do you do about it? The question is, uh, what does it look like to keep working on them, to keep growing, to keep focusing on our character? So I'm just going to kind of plant that as a thought for us as we're thinking about um, what it means to be a leader, is to not forget about how important our character is. <laughs> um, and, and to start actually working on, uh, working on what it means to keep growing in character. Now, I've got a whole section here about... Um, uh, about working on things like our habits and 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 uh, growing our conviction on those sorts of things. I'll, I'll leave that for now. If you want to talk to me a little bit more about that, you can. Uh, but the big thing is uh, going back to to the, to the gospel uh, all the way through. As we're going to see this weekend, it's the gospel that keeps pushing us to grow. You know, Paul said in the in the one of the bits we read um, today uh, that it's about the spirit that calls us to self-discipline. It's that we're called to holiness. And so, um, as we think about and as we finish up tonight, let's just go with that kind of thought, thinking and that reflection for ourselves, and, and just to start making some plans. It's not to go away and kind of feel super guilt-ridden, it's actually be kind of going, well, well, what does it look like to fan the flame of the Spirit in this instance? What does it look like to actually have a passion for God's holiness as the reason for, uh, for that's driving my holiness, rather than my guilt and shame, which uh, actually never works, uh, if you didn't know, uh, in terms of, of growing yourself. Uh, but having a passion, a positive passion for God's holiness, uh, that's the thing that actually helps to propel us forward uh, in growing uh, as, uh, in, in our godliness. So I'm going to pray for us um, as we finish up tonight, uh, and then, uh, yeah, and then I'll tell you what we're going to be doing tomorrow. All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for uh, the diversity of people that we have here at CC. In a room like this, we have people right across the spectrum in, in lots of different areas of personality, and we thank you for the gifts, the strengths, and the weaknesses that we all bring to the table, and we pray that you will help us to keep using those gifts to serve and love your body. But Father, we do pray that um, underneath all of that, that we would have the heart uh, to love and care for for each other, that we would be uh, driven by our um, desire to display the fruit of the Spirit. But Father, in the ways that we need to work on, we pray that you would help us to reflect on that. You'd help us to grow. We, we pray that, you wouldn't, uh, that we wouldn't be crushed uh, out of our guilt and shame about our failures, but actually see the opportunities that are there to be growing as a servant of you. So Father, we do pray that you would help us to have that on the forefront of our minds, that our character is important and something that we need to grow in. And Father, we pray that you will help us to have, uh, have the, the strength and the, the resoluteness to kind of carry through on, on some of those things, to have a plan and a, and, and, and a, and a way for uh, uh, tracking how we're going. Father, we pray that we would do that out of a desire to honor you with our lives, that we might grow, that as, and as uh, we grow, that we would have that growth mindset for others too. And we pray all of this for Jesus' mighty glory. 
Amen. All right. Well, uh, that ends our time for tonight. Thanks for being a part of our first day of launch. Uh, we're going to come back tomorrow at 9 a.m. So we've got a little bit more Bible time, and then we're going to be uh, getting into a couple of workshops and actually leading others. And so that's going to get kind of to the practical nitty-gritty um, of leading others. Uh, so that's on tomorrow. Uh, and then after lunch, we'll have a look at some more specific stuff to do with Acts and, uh, and preparing for our teams. Uh, has anyone got any questions about stuff for tomorrow? So lunch is on tomorrow. Glad you enjoy that. Yeah, Eric. Is there coffee tomorrow? The answer is yes. There is, <laughs> our coffee people are here. Yes, yes, there's a vote for coffee people. Yep, what time? 8.30ish, I oh, was starting at nine, so. Should we say 8.30? You wanna come a bit earlier? Okay. Yeah, yeah, so well, we can say that we'll, we'll have the building open from 8, uh, come for a coffee from 8.20ish, something like that. <laughs> we'll see you here. And Eric, Eric will be here. If no one else is here, Eric will be here. He'll, he'll be lining up. All right, any other questions? No, if not, we'll see you tomorrow. I'll leave all the seats here, yeah. We'll pack up tomorrow. <laughs>